record. Okay. Maybe I do English accent both. I'd prefer if you didn't. <laughs> Alright, fine. <laughs> Welcome everyone to the first episode of 2023 Holy of the Do Better Dev Show. Biscuits. Wow. This, in my opinion, is the best podcast for the Do Better Industries because it's also the only one and we have a recurring guest, Nathan. It's me! Wow. Wow, I'm so happy to be here. Uh, New year, same show, yep. same guest. What? Same room? Same office? Yeah, yeah, H- HQ. Yeah. It's almost like calendars are just fake. Well, yeah, yeah. It's all, you know, we took Augustus way too seriously when he was just like, oh, we got to change the things up. Like, no, he could have just done away with it. Could have. Yeah. Who cares? Like, it would make people a lot less neurotic, too. They wouldn't be like, oh, it's halfway through the year. Because it's hard to keep track if you can look at the calendar. You wouldn't, you'd just be like, oh, it's like getting cold again. I must be a year older. Maybe, yeah. But instead of freaking <laughs> out, having a crisis, I'm, I'm turning 30 this year. Can have a, a, I, I would not have to worry about a specific day. I'd just be like, eh, I've lost track. I'm somewhere between 20 and, and 45. Yeah. I mean, it would also make the lives of, you know, um, certain people who are interested in younger people uh, to get around the law. I suppose, yeah. Yeah, they, they thought they were this old. Yeah. Uh, this is not legal advice. Yes, um, it is not. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only. 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 And uh, we will not continue on that. No. <laughs> on that thread. <laughs> yes. Speaking of time zones, though, um, finally, like living in UTC gives you a bit of a superior purpose. So every server I looked at, everything I did, I was like, oh, this is my local time zone. I don't need conversions. I don't need to think about anything. It was just great. Right. Yeah. Anytime I saw a log field i would just look at the clock on my computer and be like oh these two match up this is crazy <laughs> i'm not used to this way too much freedom yeah way too uh, much power yeah which also made me partially mad that somehow uk has made themselves the center of the world for time zones like i don't think if they're they're geographically the exact center of the globe that i don't think they are i didn't verify this information but because they were there i'm like oh did you guys just make gmt and then we're like, oh no, those guys are each, they get pluses, they get minuses, we're, we're it. Mm-hmm. And that made me a little bit mad, but it was cool to just be in UTC once in my right. life. I stand by, I think we've discussed this before, that everybody should just be on UTC, it doesn't matter. Like, it would be way easier if, obviously it sounds crazy to people currently, they're like, no, I wake up at 7am, but like, if, if you woke up in your time zone and it was noon, it would be fine, it's when the sun's coming up, you'd be like, yeah, it's chill. And... Uh, Way easier for us developers with our, uh, you know, Python and JavaScript time zone packages and trying to figure out when the UTC rollover is and yeah. make our lives easier is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Who, no daylight savings. No oh, nonsense. well, that's, yeah, they, they just in general, <laughs> we should stop with that. Uh, we don't need to worry about the crops. The farmers will, farmers will figure it out. Yeah. Um, we don't need to save the daylight. If you want to see it, wake up earlier i don't know (laughs) (laughs) it's not my problem (laughs) maybe they'll listen to us for y3k maybe i mean uh hopefully i'll be around by then a couple hundred years you just you know you eat your greens and you'll be fine couple hundred years yes because that was the 2000 the 2000 yeah yeah it's at least a few few hundred at least a few hundred hundred. yes we've entered the first i can't say thousands because that would be a false statement. That would be. It's yeah. less than a thousand now. So True. It's hundreds. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do exact math. What am I, a programmer? No. 
Well, programmers don't do math anyway. <laughs> no. That's what NumPy is for. Yes, that's true. Import. <laughs> it's for uh, PhDs and junior developers. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, uh, yeah, that kind of um, alludes to what we've been up to. You went to the UK. Uh, I did, mate. It's been a while since we recorded, about a month. Yeah. Uh, and I went to Mexico. Wow. So that's our excuse. Right off the front, uh, it's uh, three or four minutes in. Uh, yeah, the ten people or so that maybe were like, huh, I thought they used to release more often. It was just holiday time. We mentioned it that if you listened to the very end of the last episode, because I listened to the last 30 minutes of the last episode earlier today, just to catch up on, like, what did I say I was going to do better <laughs> on uh, <laughs> and see what we were talking about. Um, we mentioned it in the last, like, 10 minutes. Like, oh, by the way, we probably won't record again <laughs> until the new year. Uh, and here we are doing that. So we were uh, out of the country, and I guess we'll probably push that discussion more in detail to the end of the, of the show because, you know, we've got to talk tech a little we bit. Got it. Yeah, that's the, that's the point. This, you know, we're not going to talk about how we're spreading Rona everywhere. But no, 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 no. No, I don't want to get this little <laughs> flag on Spotify. <laughs> I don't need those, those blue banners. Uh, redirecting people to certain government organizations. I want none of that on the Do Better Dev Show. So, instead of that, you got anything cool, interesting, or frustrating? Few, yeah. Um, I'll start off because we mentioned UK. Uh -huh. Talk about the frustrating thing that I found in UK. Okay. So, as someone who was raised in the East, you're always sort of criticized on like the way you pronounce things <laughs> and how like certain words should be and how grammar is so important and then you move to like the western world and you're like okay you know to some extent there's a standardization and then you go to UK the English people who made English cannot agree every 20 kilometer on the <laughs> accent the words the little things they use and it really pissed me off mate you know I just <laughs> frustrating I, isn't it it's very <laughs> quiet <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I learned a new phrase, doing my head in, uh, You're which is just like doing my head in. Doing your head in. Yes. I've heard, I've heard, yeah, it does my head in, but I wouldn't have known how to write any of the words you just said. Uh, uh -huh. if you were like, yeah, um, transcribe what I'm saying right now. I'd be like, yes. e e there was an E in there at some point. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Doing my head in. Okay. Cause you miss. Because that's another thing. I was like, okay, fine. You don't want to agree on the pronunciations and stuff. That's fine. Stop taking over the words. Half of the words, they, they just miss whole consonants and vowels. And I just, I was like, at least you guys should agree maybe that what you're making, the language for the rest of the world, and then let them, you know, fight it out. <laughs> but just say it. So I was not happy about it. I see. Isn't that like the one place where they say herbs instead of herbs? Because like, they, they drop all the H's on stuff, but I'm pretty sure that's like, everybody else just says herbs, and then I they say so. herbs, and it's like, what? Of all the H's you decided to keep, it's the one that we didn't? <laughs> yes, because yes, I've heard people say herbal tea, right. and I always heard it as herbal tea. Uh-huh. Uh, yes. Interesting. Tay. Tay. Yes. So, yeah, frustrating and whatever. But on the cool side, right. uh, the architecture so much more fun to look at houses in different places 
for, even if you forget the old castles, uh, there's so many stone houses, the infrastructure looks slightly different on everything. Mm -hmm. It's cute. It gives like different cities a little liveliness and vibe. Because this was your first time in Europe at all. Yeah. yeah. And, but if you walk around North America, it all looks the same. Every single house, they might have different colors and you're like, oh, that's quirky. Uh -huh. uh, but infrastructure-wise, it's all the same, yeah. and I yeah was mildly, mildly disappointed about that here. But it was cool there, and especially in like Edinburgh, they had like yeah. I don't know like twelve-inch wall like ceilings. Mm -hmm. It's like who, how do you clean? How do you clean the fan on top? <laughs> I don't know. These are the problems I need answers to. Right, right, right. Um, but yes, but that was really cool. I saw a lot of yeah old stuff. Uh, drank some scotch, did a whole bunch of things that I thought was cool. So yeah, would recommend UK. Um, also, I realized halfway through, so anywhere between central UK to all of north, I was the only person of color, which I was like, oh, interesting. Right. Every place I went to, I was like, cool, maybe I could be exotic. Right. Uh, <laughs> but, but yeah, it was just funny. Uh, except in Edinburgh, there were a lot of tourists. I was like, oh, all right, I guess whatever, I'm not special anymore. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I was just trying to buy groceries and people were like, Wait, oh. yeah. like ah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I stuck out as well. <laughs> the only blonde person in miles. <laughs> they don't have blonde blue eyed people in Mexico. <laughs> they don't actually. It turns out. <laughs> um, and then the final the cool one, the cool category, or the interesting I guess, is the article I also sent you about a guy who <laughs> is so good, isn't it? The guy who dropped 90% cloud costs for a company and then disappeared. He took the money, he did a challenge. And for some context, some guy went to his like CTO and was like, I'll drop off your costs by 90% and you give me like a lump sum $50,000 or whatever. And then, you know, that's all good. And there was a new CEO and he was like, yeah, do it. Turns out a year later or so, people started seeing errors and system was AWS costs started going up again. And the the most hilarious part about it was uh, what the guy did was he found a whole bunch of like leaked Google accounts, created a whole bunch of AWS accounts off of them, and ran everything in a trial account on each time. And as they expired and he ran through all the quota, uh, now it uses the regular account, which I thought was genius. Like if you're going through the work of setting all these different accounts up, I would just assume they will never run out and I wouldn't have like my account as the backup to be like, all right, run this here. If it fails, run it here. That's that's like self-healing infrastructure. This is good practice. <laughs> so <laughs> I was very impressed by no one could really find out as he like did that work, which also raises the point, don't make DevOps a lonely role because then people pull stuff like this and no one else checks it or finds out because right. they're the only ones who knew what they were doing. It, well, he did it all through like a Chrome extension or something. I just, yes. I skimmed it because it wasn't a super in detail article. It was more like editorial. But I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> so yeah, he's just got one file that just has a ton of fake accounts in it. And yeah, burns through them. And then I, I meant the response that I sent to you, which was like, this is the first guy to fully understand serverless. <laughs> <Yeah>. Like, <laughs> that's the point. You're basically just like, yeah, we don't need this. It's all ephemeral, even the accounts. <laughs> So yeah, maybe there's lessons. I hope there's like a more in-depth case study of how we did it all infrastructure-wise. Because imagine the amount of stuff you need to build to fully automate uh, account creation to using resources on account that's just been bootstrapped. The amount of work we need to do even when you like create a new AWS root account and now you need to create an IAM user and stuff. 
this guy, freaking genius. <laughs> just took care of all of this. I don't even know how or what, but just uh, impressed. Top comment, by the way, because I, I like scrolling through the first of swipe course. or so of comments. Top comment that I appreciated was, Sugar asked for 75. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? Okay, fair enough, I guess. Yeah. If you're going to ask for 50, sure. What was USD? So it's probably like 200 Canadian, probably. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The way things are going. <laughs> right on. But, yeah, that's fine. But what are cool, interesting, frustrating so, amigo? Yeah, I have some very old ones. I've separated them down to old and new because I was thinking I might do a recording in December uh, just as a, a solo show. Uh, but I didn't wind up doing it, but I still have the notes from it, so I figured, eh, I'll include them. So for this particular episode, it's new and new-new. Correct. Yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. To, to the listeners, it's new, and then to me, it's new, but to them, it's new-new. So. Uh, it's very AI-heavy, okay. uh, basically just because a lot of stuff was coming out with ChatGPT right. in December. And so I tried to keep it keep some good variety. Uh, so an interesting one, again, it's been about a month now since I watched this, but uh, there's a guy called Robert Miles, and he makes AI-focused videos on YouTube, and he's been doing it for years. I've been watching him for a long time. He's, he's sometimes featured in computer file or number file videos, and he made one about the problem of AI lying. Uh, and so essentially you can set up systems such that the reward function is not factually correct it's what the human wants to hear uh and so he goes through some of the like problems and how you could possibly solve it and as is the case with all his videos he's usually like we have this problem it looks like this here are some proposed solutions and here's why none of them work (laughs) so that's usually how all his videos go uh and it's very interesting thought-provoking type of thing uh for fun as per usual i have an mkbhd video of course and it's about AI, get, it's called AI Gets Creative. And this was all those Instagram avatars that people were uh, using, paying money for to get them generated. Did you, were you online at all during that time? Like, is it, is it the AI generated art? The yeah. AI generated art, yeah. But like, people were paying to get their, their it was a, a fad for like a week. People were buying these, uh, they would put in photos of themselves and then oh, get yeah, generated. Oh, yeah, with like all sorts of crazy Like space, things. yeah, space, ast- yeah. like astronaut stuff and, and whatever. Anyway. Uh, it was that following week, I think, he put out this video. Uh, but it's legit. Uh, the, as always with his stuff, it's really good. Um, I'm going to spoil it because I want you yes, to know. Thank you. Yes. I want you to know what happened. So skip ahead about like a minute if you don't want to hear yes. the spoiling. Or go watch the video, come back. Yeah, pause it, watch the video, come back. But, okay, so he's, he starts his, the video, right? And he's doing his usual like, uh, so what about AI? What happens when they get creative? And explains like uh, why AI can't replace human beings and creativity. And then he goes, but what if I told you that everything I just said was generated by an AI? Uh, And so he did like the first minute and a half of the video is just a script that he said to ChatGPT, write a essay or writing a video intro or something like that in the style of MKBHD about why AIs can't be, or why humans, yeah, AIs will never replace humans. And he wow. just put that in and just read it word for word. Uh, <laughs> and it was it was impressive. And I was like, okay, dude, interesting. Wow. Um, and then he goes through the rest of the video giving his thoughts on 
AI, not just reading something that an AI generated, but it was cool. And then this one, this last one, uh, was is probably it's the least thought provoking, but it's my favorite because it's so dumb and so so cool. Uh, it's a video. Uh, apparently, this whole, there's a whole YouTube channel that exists for this, but it's called AI Illustrates Through the Fire and the Flames. And all they did was just take every line of the song through the fire and the flames and pass it into an AI art generator tool. Okay. And then it's just like a slideshow of images that plays as the song is being played. And so, yeah, it's like a slideshow music video, but it's all AI generated. And it's so cool because it's very creative, uh, but a lot of it's just like kind of nonsense because uh, if you know the words of the fire and the flames, it's a bit out there. Uh, but it's fun. And so, yeah, there's a whole channel for it. I'll uh, find it. And so then people can take a look at the whole channel if they want to. But speaking of YouTube channels, okay, so finally into some tech stuff, like directly tech stuff, not just YouTube. <laughs> and like AI, videos about AI. There's a channel called M Coding. Have you ever come across this channel? No. So... It's this guy, I think his name is Ryan Murphy. Uh, he has this ch uh, channel that's almost exclusively about Python, but it might also be some C or something. Um, but I've been watching a bunch of his videos about Python. And so far, it's the only YouTube channel I've come across that has any level of intermediate to senior type of content for programming languages. Mm. And it's really good because I'm not, like I've forgotten more about JavaScript than I've ever learned about Python. <laughs> so my Python knowledge is very high level. It's just like, uh, yeah, you, this is how you write Python code. But anything about all their different dunder methods and what they do and like uh, what the attributes are for, um, edge cases about how uh, meta classes work and things like, I don't know any of it. And so... I've been watching about one video a day because I'm like, if I do more than that, I'm just going to forget all of it. Uh, but it's so good. So highly recommend that channel. Uh, I'm trying to think if there's any interesting ones. Uh, there was one I just watched. It was called like the worst dunder method or every developer trips on this, uh, something like that. Uh, and it was about, oh, name mangling. So there's a feature in Python that is meant to allow... Uh, classes to have like private um, uh, attributes and methods and if you prefix them with double underscore but don't suffix them with double underscore then they are quote unquote private but Python doesn't have private mm -hmm. methods so in order to make them private such that if you're doing a bunch of inheritance they don't get overridden uh, so they're locally scoped uh, Python does a thing that is called name mangling where it takes the class name and appends it with an underscore at the front on front in front of that private variable, variable yeah. which he does like, this is how it's supposed to work and shows how it works. And then he's like, and here are all the reasons why it causes people problems. <laughs> and it's just a disaster. Uh, so yeah, a lot of interesting stuff like that. So I immediately went to our code base and I was just looking for like double underscores. <laughs> it's like, okay, cool. We only have one method that does it and it doesn't seem like it's causing any issues, but very cool. Um, also, he has a video about generators, and I already know how generators work. I've written them in Python, written them in JavaScript, but for some reason, the way he walked through his examples, it had a few things click where I'm like, oh, I feel like I get generators uh, better now. And it was just things like, here's a function that, that walks through a tree uh, with a breadth first search. 
And then if we wanted to do something on each of those nodes, we could add it to the function in the body. Uh, and he's like, or we could, instead of returning the value here, we could yield it. And now we can iterate over that uh, generator and it will walk the tree for us and we can do our logic outside of the uh, function. I was like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Like it's something I probably could have thought of, but it wasn't something I come across often enough to have that top of mind. And so I'm like, I feel now like I understand generators better, even though it's nothing new. I knew all those things already, but just the way they were put together uh, made things click. So yeah, highly recommend M-coding. I've already recommended it to one or two people at, at work. So I was like, hey, we use a lot of Python. One of our junior developers, he's always eager to learn stuff. And uh, I was like, hey, I've been learning a lot from this channel. If you want to level up your Python, recommend it. So uh, I mentioned ChatGPT. Yes. We're, we're in the new new. Interest that the M coding was new new, and uh, this one is also new new. ChatGPT outperformed every candidate that I've interviewed, uh, <laughs> as expected. So I. I told it that it was in an interview, and then it tried to give me interview advice. And I was like, no, 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 I'm interviewing you. I'm asking the questions. So I asked it what its favorite programming language was. It wouldn't tell me. Uh, it was like, no, there's a lot of great programming languages that have trade-offs. So like, blah, blah, blah. OK, whatever, dude. Anyway, I was like, do you know Python? And ChatGPT was like, yes, I know. It explains a bunch of stuff about Python. I was like, all right, cool. Uh, so I want you to use that language. And I intentionally was kind of vague. right? I was like, use that language to uh, return the sum of all the numbers in a range, and I said it exactly the way that I say it to candidates. Where I was like, there will be no numbers missed, nothing's duplicated, it's just the first number to the last number in order, they're all integers, there are no edge cases, and it goes, of course, right to the best solution that nobody has gotten to, uh, which is the mathematical solution that is constant time and immediate. Uh, and I was like, great, okay, can, we, can you refactor that? And I just went through, like, can you refactor that to use this? Can you refactor it to use this? And I went through like generators. I gave it the uh, conditions I normally give to people if they make it through the first few levels where it's like, okay, if I only gave you the first number and the last number, how would you do it? And, okay, can you refactor it to use uh, constant space? Um, can you refactor it now to, uh, or what are the trade-offs of doing this recursive approach? Because I asked it to do recursive approach. It's like, what are the trade-offs of using recursion? It's like, and then it mentioned tail call recursion. I was like, okay, can you refactor this to use tail call recursion? And then it did, and it explained why. I was like, yep, okay, <laughs> sorry everybody. Yep. Uh, Chat GPT, gonna take a job. <laughs> it's a good job. <laughs> yeah, so that's uh, that's on its way. But I just had way too much fun with it. I was I was just impressed with how. Um, how natural I could be with the language and just be like, yep, I'm not, it's not like super strict with uh, how I'm describing the problem. I'm using the exact phrasing I would use to a person. And I intentionally did that and it gave great answers. And I was, I've heard a lot of people saying that they, um, and I shouldn't say a lot of people, people online that I follow have started suggesting things like, yeah, if you don't have a senior developer, you can bounce ideas off of chat GPT. It might give you some ideas mm. uh, or, um, Marquez, MKBHD, he's like, I'll use this for brainstorming. If I need some ideas for thumbnails, I might say like, ah, oh, it's a video about this. Do you have any thumbnail ideas? And it might generate some stuff. So very cool. But I've also seen wild things like people put a, telling ChatGPT to be a like Unix system. And then it just like creates the whole, it does like PWD and says where it is. And it's just like returns a terminal uh, that 
looks exact, and then people will create files and remove them and write to the files and echo into the files and then cat them out, and it does everything correctly. Uh, so pretty wild. So yeah, good, good job. So you could like sort of DDoS it by having it run a bunch of commands because it's somewhere executing. I guess so. So you could yeah just be like oh I download this five terabyte file from S3 over and over and over again. Hackerman. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, mine kept crashing, so I think there's some sort of rate limiting factor with how much data it will push over the wire or something. Because yeah, I was it would, I had to retry a couple of questions because it would get partway through writing the answer and then my connection would drop. Um, but it's very cool. I also I think I mentioned in the last episode or maybe a previous one uh, about the interview with Todd Howard, the guy who is in charge at Bethesda, makes like Skyrim mm -hmm. and all that. Yeah. And uh, Lex was asking Lex Friedman was asking him about um, something like ChatGPT uh, to do um, like NPC dialogue and things. And he's like, well, obviously, yeah, we need to be we need to be careful about what exactly we have NPCs saying. Uh, but that sort of concept is very cool because there've been games from like decades ago that were trying to do um, natural language processing. And it's not an easy problem, but if you've got the ChatGPT API that can generate a bunch of stuff, and maybe you, maybe what they end up doing is just generating it a bunch of things, and then like pre-reading it, like proofreading it, and saying like, all right, these are all valid. But at least makes generation much easier, and you can then push those approved things through to the end user as over-the-air updates. I don't know, but I'm curious to see what happens. Yeah. I'm I'm not actually worried about currently ChatGPT taking my job because I only need a good like five, 10 years and then, and then I'll move into something else. Uh, but for now, it's just a cool tool. And lastly, this, is, this shows how dated it is. My wholesome recommendation. Uh, it's a YouTube channel. There's a musician named Alex Melton and he did a pop punk holiday special. And because he does a bunch of videos that are, you know, if Blink-182 wrote blah, like One Week by the Bare Naked Ladies. And he has a really good pop punk voice and makes good uh, covers. But he made this holiday special. And when I hit play on the video, I figured, okay, it's going to be like a bunch of his songs and they're going to be Christmassy. But it's like a special. He does an introduction with this like... Uh, um, what was the night before Christmas? So all, and then in between, there's these little every between in between each song, there's these little skits, and and they're it's very cheesy and very wholesome. So I highly recommend it. Uh, it's no longer the season, no, but just uh, wait eleven months. Sure. Listen back to this screenshot wherever you are in the episode right now. Come back in eleven months. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how Boomerang works in Gmail, but maybe just send it to yourself uh, yeah. in in eleven months. Yeah. Schedule. Uh, later thing, right? You can do that in Gmail. Yeah, you can. I've never used it. Because no. why would I care about later? It's to answer me now. That's very true. It's yeah. now or never. Pretty much. So listen to it now. <laughs> after um, you're done listening to this episode. Of course. Uh, and after you're done listening to AI Gets Creative. Yes. Yeah. And the other five YouTube channels. I give them a lot of homework. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, lot of, there's a lot to do. Yeah, uh, maybe there's a guy out there that has like a 20 YouTube tabs open on his MacBook for no reason. This is like a personal attack or something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying you might not be alone. You know what? Like sometimes when I have to refresh my computer or when Chrome says, you haven't closed Chrome in, long enough, in a long time and now we need to update, 
uh, and then I go to restore history and it just decides to tell me how many tabs I'm going to reopen, <laughs> like restore tabs. And it's like restore 37 tabs. I'm like, yeah, I don't need the number. Okay. <laughs> These are all very important. <laughs> you just avoid it. Just command shift T. Just... Well, what's, what's strange is like my desktop's always perfectly clear. I'm a very minimalist person in every, every other part of my life, just naturally. But YouTube tabs, man. Yeah. It's not even like you have a bunch of tabs of different sites open or anything. It's all YouTube. <laughs> the easiest website that has a function of watch later built into it. <laughs> well, the thing about watch later is if it's between different tabs, it kind of gets confused. Well, no, that's the queue, which I also yes. use. <laughs> okay. Well, moving on. Uh do you have anything else you want to add before we go into the, the main topic that I have in mind? No. All right. Great. So every year for the last seven years or so, there's been a survey called the State of JS or the State of JavaScript. And uh, frankly, I don't care about it at all. But I'm using it as a prompt because this was the year, the first year ever, that TypeScript from the from the people who answered the survey, TypeScript is used more than JavaScript. Wow. So these are people who obviously work as developers who are deep enough in the community to actually answer a survey about the state of JavaScript. But it's called the state of JavaScript and more people use TypeScript. So I wanted to use this as a jumping off point uh, to say a lot of the things I've been saying at work. And we had a meeting yesterday. It's uh, We do it once a week. It's just like a longer form meeting where we get the chance to basically say, okay, it's not stand up where everybody's here. It's a handful of people. Do you have anything to discuss? It's called architecture sync, but it just becomes like, okay, anything that's not appropriate for stand up. Do you have anything you want to discuss? Mm -hmm. And so people walk through things like, this is, a, this is the state of what I've been doing for the last few weeks. Um, people have been asking where it's at. This is where it's at. Let me walk through the code. This is what, how much is done. This is how much I think is left. Uh, if you need to touch this in the future, this is all the stuff I've had to change as a result. And basically just giving a technical deep dive on some things um, that is not appropriate for like the CFO or, or I guess the CEO and, and anybody else that's in there. So dev focus meeting, but we had, we had that part. And then like, all right, anybody else? And my contribution to the meeting was, okay, it's new year and I can't make anybody do anything but I think we should seriously consider trying to use more TypeScript. It's available. I've built it in, switched a couple files over so we know it does work. You can do one file at a time. And I basically just advocated a bit for TypeScript. And only, uh, two people were very in favor of it and there was one person who was skeptical, basically saying like, well, writing types slows us down, takes a long time. And so, it's a valid concern for someone who hasn't written at least TypeScript in the last couple of years. So I'm not the first person to say this, but I wanted to basically say that my, my current position on TypeScript is that if you hear JavaScript from now, you should just think TypeScript. 2023 going forward, if you hear JavaScript, you or if someone says JavaScript, you hear TypeScript. You transpile it in your head. You Yes, live <laughs> transpilation into TypeScript. Uh, find and replace, uh, regex, whatever makes the most sense for you. Uh, you need to now think, someone says JavaScript, oh, you mean TypeScript. Yeah. Uh, so it's just gotten to the point where I, th I think one of the things that the state of JS survey signals, at least to me, 
is that when people go to TypeScript, they don't go back to JavaScript because it just keeps growing. It's not like if something, if something sounded promising and turned out not to be, I don't think you would see a growing percentage to the point where it's now more people with TypeScript than JavaScript. It would be uh, like a lot of bounce rate, essentially. And so my current thought is if you say wrote TypeScript maybe four years ago or something, and you thought this is kind of a pain, try version 4.9 and try to drag it without writing a bunch of types. Because what's nice about it now is if you put it in strict mode, you get a bunch of configuration out of the box where basically you give it like your tsconfig file and if you just put like strict true, it'll pre-configure a bunch of stuff that you don't have to worry about. But then you can just start writing your functions and everything and it will tell you, because it's in strict mode, the things that matter that it, you have to tell it. It infers everything else. It infers things very well. So if you're writing a function and then it doesn't know what the one of the parameters is, it'll be like, this isn't implicit any type. And then you either have to, through the uh, usage of that function or something, be like, this is the type of argument I expect. Most of the time, it'll just be like, yeah, it's a string, colon string, whatever. But you only have to say that in one place. You often don't have to say it at all because it can infer, like if you say const name equals Nathan, it's like, oh, name's a string because it's a value. It We know what type it is and it makes things very easy. So basically, <laughs> I'm just like, we got to stop using JavaScript. Uh, it's I'm tired of this white page of death argument at work where it's like, oh, we need browser-based tests because we want to avoid white page of death. Browser-based tests are terrible. They're stupid. In theory, they're the best tests. In practice, they're the worst. They are so flaky that nobody trusts them ever at any company I've been at. Now, I don't have, I haven't worked at every company, but I don't know of a company, yeah, I don't know if you know of a company that's ever been like, oh yeah, this is working great. Um, so yeah, use TypeScript. Yeah. Basically, I was trying to write a blog post about this and I didn't have enough to say. So I was like, I'll just do a short abbreviated rant on the podcast and be getting out of my system because I don't want to rant at people at work. So I was like, I'll just say it here. Wow. Yeah. And because the podcast is now on your blog. That's it right. Works together. Yeah, I embedded it. It's great. Easy peasy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, you yeah. Maybe you can go to ChatGPT and say, can you convert this JavaScript to TypeScript? Don't even have to do a job anymore. You can go to it and just be like, type this whole function out in TypeScript with mm -hmm. the types. It'll probably do a good job. If not, you just go to, I don't know, VS Code and just it'll tell you something's missing and there will be a quick fix window that says, add type to this. Or, I don't know, I've heard uh, GitHub Copilot has a really good integration with VS Code, which literally will just give you a block of code. Mm -hmm. AI will take your job, just let it. <laughs> Stop struggling, it'll only make it worse. <laughs> <laughs> it just, it'll just hurt more. Yes. Uh, yeah, like all pretty much all the common libraries now have TypeScript definitions. They're if they're not if if it's not just in definitively typed, they're shipping it as part of the um, library itself. You get so many things. So like one of the things that uh, our technical lead is excited about because um, I, I brought it up a while ago, and he's like, "Yeah, that that's what we should be doing," is generating TypeScript definitions from our Swagger files. Mm -hmm. So it's like right now we basically have a Swagger file that we maintain on the server, and then we have separate schemas that we maintain on the front end 
that say like this field is nullable or whatever. And I, I've never looked at it. I don't know why we have separate schemas defined, but for whatever reason we do. And uh, the thing is you with like one CLI command, you can just generate a API types or API uh, definitions.ts and it will just give you every endpoint that exists in your Swagger docs and all the arguments it accepts and all the types of all those arguments. So, like, just use the tools. They're so useful. So there was a blog post that I, I read, and I guess I should put this in the notes as well because, frankly, I don't, uh, I'm not smart enough to understand all of it. Uh, here, let me just add it to my new new section. Wow. Interesting. Uh, and it's called, it was the lies we tell ourselves to keep using Go. <laughs> uh, ourselves to blah, blah, blah. I don't know what that is. Um, the lies we tell ourselves to keep using Go. And so it's very long. Um, and I don't know enough about Go or Rust to really understand what he was talking about. But there was one sentence or two sentences that I really liked and I've remembered them, which was, any complexity that does not exist in your language now exists in your program. And so for me, that's the killer app, the primary argument for like JavaScript, you can't use it anymore. Just use TypeScript because TypeScript knows how the types in JavaScript work. So you don't have to think, is this nullable? Uh, if I do like dot whatever, is that gonna always be there? What does it return? Is this mutable? Like if I sort and I take the return value, do I get a value back? Is it the same one? Um, like TypeScript knows so many of these things for you, so you don't have to remember them. Or if you're updating, uh, if you're updating like one shared object that gets passed around everywhere, or something, or something, or like a shared schema, and you forgot about that one edge corner of your code base where you imported it, it'll just yell at you when you try to compile your program. It's like, oh hey, I. Uh, you didn't change the name of this value, like dot .gan does not exist on object. And you're like, oh yeah, I forgot, I need to update that because he doesn't work here anymore. That sort of thing. <laughs> uh, so, you change your code every two years. <laughs> <laughs> well played, yeah. Uh, so that's, that's my, my mental model going into 2023 is like, um, I think I went through the... Uh, the Python and JavaScript phase of my career, where I'm like, okay, I see how useful all these dynamic things are. And that's the other thing, is that like, TypeScript's not even static, right? Like TypeScript is terrible. It's a terrible language, but it's better than JavaScript because at least it knows how JavaScript works. And you probably don't. It's such a complicated uh, language as far as like the weird behavior. It's very simple to write, and that's why people think it's easy, but like, I did a, a terrible uh, breakdown of JavaScript as a like two-year experienced developer where I was like, here's all the things about JavaScript and like what you might need to know. And people are just like, why do you know this much about JavaScript? It's like, well, because I wanted to know how it worked and I've forgotten a lot of it since then, but now it doesn't matter because TypeScript will tell me. Yeah. And yes, if you want like to write software that's more mature, I think TypeScript just raises the floor a little bit on your code quality. It's less likely that you're going to have things like undefined is not a function, uh, cannot access property uh, prototype on undefined, you know, like whatever you're trying to do, uh, it'll just catch those things at compilation time. Or in this case, once we have the schemas being generated from our Swagger docs, then when we build the app, if someone's changed the backend schema, 
to make something nullable and the front end doesn't know about it, then TypeScript will complain and say like, hey, you, you were assuming this is gonna be there, but I just checked the schema and uh, it might not. That's way easier. And you don't need GraphQL, you just get no. one CL, CLI <laughs> command. Barely inconvenience. Yeah. So, yeah, stop using JavaScript. Just as, I mean, if the state of JavaScript doesn't say JavaScript. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty good. Oh my goodness. Yeah, unless like, you know, Microsoft is entering those people's homes and holding their families hostage to vote for TypeScript. Right. Uh, which, you know, anything could happen these days. Um, but I've also heard from no sources whatsoever is if you use TypeScript all the time and abandon JavaScript, Bill Gates will enter your house and shake your hand. Mm. I guess I've still written a bit too much JavaScript in my life because that hasn't happened to me. Yes. Yeah. Especially because yeah. you did a you know, presentation for the haters. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. You'll have to wait. Also, yeah, for anyone who's watched the Fireship JavaScript for the Hagers video, I was first. <laughs> His is way better, but I gave a talk called JavaScript for the Haters years before. Uh, he also won the Stake of JavaScript or Stake of JS uh, creator. Um, oh, they have a section on... Um, like basically, yeah, content creators or like uh, community figures or whatever, and people vote. And by a landslide, Fireship won. And people were just like, oh, he sent people over. Like some of the other people in the list were like, oh, he just sent people over there. And then I look, I'm like, well, you have 19,000 subscribers and he has 1.4 million. I think it makes sense that he won. <laughs> like, don't complain. So, Fireship, if you're not subscribed, Watch his code report videos. They're amazing. Wow, I am not. They're know. like they're like four minutes long, and they're so good. Uh, his best video is probably the um, I th the thumbnail is like the programming iceberg or something, but it's like the uh, the path to becoming a senior developer or something like that. And it's just I don't know how he, our interests overlap so thoroughly. <laughs> Like he's making, uh, like one of the videos I watched recently, it was like he referenced Liver King, he referenced uh, the Fed Money Printer, and he mentioned a ton of different uh, programming things. I was like, why did I understand every reference in this video? Is MI Fireship, but he's way better than me? I, th I think so. Wow. Yeah. Well, the biggest question is, Nathan, out of all those summaries, uh, what's the current state of Rocket League? And Primogen. So uh, the Primogen was on the list of creators. Okay. Uh, and he did, yeah, he didn't win, but he's also like, a, <laughs> he's not as going to be as mainstream <laughs> as someone like Fireship. Uh, Fireship has great sarcastic takes, but yeah, they're not screaming about bathroom ramen and uh, Tokyo. Getting sent to HR. Getting sent to uh, Karen Rostinsky every single time. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Prime's, Prime's great. I've still been watching his stuff. Uh, he hasn't finished his... He's been making a game for a while called Vim Royale, which oh. is um, the world's greatest battle royale game built entirely in Vim. Oh, no. Uh, so he's making a TUI, which is a terminal UI, and uh, he's writing his server in Rust, and he does it all on stream. Um, but it's, it's a ton of fun. But yeah, uh, the, as soon as he announced it, everyone who's been watching him for a while started pointing out like, okay, so you're not finishing this. Because <laughs> apparently he just doesn't finish anything. Uh, so he's still working on that. He did Advent of Code for a while, and that led me to, oh, this is a nice like personal 
code update. This led me to um, TJ DeVries, who is the primary maintainer, maybe the creator, I don't know, but primary maintainer at least of NeoVim. And so I've been partially using NeoVim, mostly as my editor since we worked together, so a few years. But I hadn't gone back in like four years to update my uh, configuration in uh, GitHub. So what I did, because I took a week off when I first got to Mexico, and then I still had evenings more or less to myself. So in my free time, and also I had an 11 hour layover that was because it was six hours delayed. So <laughs> did some blog updates and I uh, um, updated this thing on GitHub. So I've had this repo on GitHub for years that was essentially like a setup script for if I got a new machine at work. <clears throat> and originally I had it for Linux and for uh, Mac OS. But then it, I haven't had to work with Linux as my primary machine for long enough that I'm like, I don't, I don't, I can't test this realistically. And I was like, I'll probably just keep getting MacBooks from whatever companies I work at, so I'll use that. And I just went in and did a bunch of updates so that now my NeoVim config is part of that because uh, I used to be using like Vundle and I had a Vim config in there and then all my plugins. And it was very janky, but also using Homebrew to install a bunch of applications and. The fun issue I ran into was when I got this current machine, uh, I had inst like done a restore from my previous machine. But my previous machine, I didn't think of this, was an Intel-based machine, and this one is a M1. And so uh, all was well for like a year, and then I tried to update Homebrew one day, and it was just like, huh? Okay, <laughs> what is this? Where am I? And it's just every package was like, cannot be installed on this hardware. And I was like, what? <laughs> so we, I ended up just going using, fortunately I already had been working on this repo and getting everything updated. So I had my NeoVim config in there and a bunch of applications, a bunch of things I use for work, installed with Homebrew. And I just went through and re, uh, refactored gigabit so that I broke things out into separate scripts. And so now I have it so that if I have a new machine, I can run the setup script and it'll set up like all the applications I want, all the tools I want, uh, set up NeoVim as my primary editor, and uh, add GitHub config or Git configs. Because um, <clears throat> I always end up being like, how do I add the Git config? It's just now it opens it automatically for me and I can just change my name to me and my email to me and then submit it and I'm done. But I've also split it out now into separate make files, or sorry, separate make commands, so that if I update my NeoVim config, I can just do it in my development environment repo, and then just be like uh, make sync or make update, whatever one I want to run. And then I can just reopen NeoVim and be like, do I like this? And if I don't, then I can just git checkout or clear my, my git changes. And so now having things actually like tracked is so useful because I would constantly break my Vim config, which made it never my primary editor. So for the last, like I, it was my primary editor three years ago. And then it stopped being my primary editor when I started working at Archera because everybody else was using VS Code and I was having so many issues trying to switch between like the different sub projects in this git repo where it's just like, okay, now I have to worry about the virtual environment in Python, and then I've got like this other Python environment for Pulumi, and then I've got the front end code that's doing its own thing with uh, JavaScript. It's like, this is a pain, I'm just gonna use VS Code, everybody else uses it. 
And uh, point is, I found I stumbled upon T.J. DeVries. He and the Primogen, they both made these videos about like it's 2023 or like now's the time, whatever their reason was to make NeoVim your primary editor. And they showed like walked from the beginning on like here's how you set it up from scratch. And you know what? Super easy, barely wow. an inconvenience. So it actually was. And uh, I had it set up and working really well with LSP and autocomplete and jump to definition and all the things I would want in, I don't know, like 40 minutes. And then I spent another like seven hours over the course of the next week uh, choosing the right colors and like <laughs> uh, adding key bindings that I wanted. And now I've been using it. I haven't opened VS Code in a couple weeks. Wow. So you're so, a worse developer now. I'm liking that. <laughs> no, I'm not a worse developer. It's VS Code or go home. Like, I don't make these rules. I just think of them and I speak them out loud. But uh -huh. just you use VS Code or you're just no good. You're bad material. Well, until I until <laughs> until NeoVim starts failing me, I'm going to stick with it. Because uh, I was getting annoyed with VS Code being slow to respond. So... I was having these issues where I would try, because I have the uh, Vim bindings in VS Code. Of course. And I would hit my JK, and it wouldn't actually exit uh, into um, normal mode. It would still be in insert mode, and then I'd end up having like some delay. It would add a J in, and I'm like, why is that there? And then I tried to delete it. I was like, this is stupid. It's like typing on a, a remote server, where oh. you're like typing, your like, brain stops working because there's too much of a delay, and then it misses one letter, and you're just like, what, where am I? So that was what was happening in VS Code. So anyway, don't use VS Code unless you want to because yeah. a lot of people do. So I'm not... It's that, great. It's pretty good, yeah. Don't use VS Code with Vim bindings. That might be correct. <laughs> yes. That might be an appropriate uh, piece of advice. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't go merge into worlds. Either stick with your ghetto VI world uh, where, you know, not everybody fears you. Or come to VS Code, where you're friendly and more welcoming and everything works, regardless of how many plugins you install. Hey, man, I'm not, like, over here on uh, Linux desktop or using a split keyboard or anything. I've got my MacBook Pro, M1. I'm very mainstream. True. Mainstream boyito. <laughs> <laughs> so. The point is, it looks sweet now. I'm very happy with my, my developer environment. So. I'm having a great time. No, I'm going to stick with VS Code. That's fine. Until beginning and end of times. Wow. Um, mostly because it's like... Until it's, Microsoft makes you pay for it. Uh, no, they, they would not. I don't know. They'll find some way. Microsoft some. loves making uh, walls. It's true, but I'm they, hoping my job will pay for that then. Yeah, fair. Yeah, so yeah. long they don't go like the IntelliJ route. Right. Where everything's laggy and super Bro. loaded. Yeah, I mean, I get the people like uh, you know PyCharm or whatever, but it was so no, it was too much trying to use that at my last job. It was like, okay, we're paying for this, but it's just like way too much stuff going on in this editor. And I ended up just going to the command line to insert files, or if I wanted to copy something, because it would say like, do you want us to refactor this? Because like I'm renaming a file or something. I'm like we're gonna refactor. I'm like, please don't. I hit no, and then it sits there and thinks for a while, and then I check my git change it, and it's, it renames the file. I check my git, and it's like it updated 30 files where it was imported. I'm like, I told you not to do that. Why would you? Do, why would you go ahead and do that? I, I'm just changing this for now. I don't know what this example is, but it's like it would do this thing that I told it not to do, and it would take forever. So yeah, don't try to be too smart. 
maybe yeah, maybe that's the principle it works with. It's like, of course he wants it, I'll do it, and then it's like, oh, he didn't. Ah, uh, ah, uh, uh, I gotta go back. Yeah, gotta eager. Go. Wait, uh, <laughs> optimistic evaluation. Yeah. Oh wow. Wow. Yeah. So anyway, um, that those are my my early early twenty twenty three tech thoughts. Are you? Is that going to be part of your do betters on your future or things you're going to do in 2023? What am I going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do? Oh, what tech am wise? I going to do? Yeah. Tech-wise? Well, I'm going to keep trying to work on my uh, interpreter and go. I did uh-huh. the smallest amount of work on it just so I felt like I was still doing something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've been spoiled by having my setup at WeWork where I've got the full giant screen. And so then when I'm trying to read like this Kindle doc that has tech like code in it, and then implement it on this other uh, half of the screen. As soon as I go back to my laptop, I'm just like, what am I doing? I can't, I can barely read this because it doesn't, the Kindle code doesn't fit on the screen properly. So I have to switch between them. And I'm trying to be like, okay, uh, I'm adding it to AST parser, uh, switch back to Kindle. Okay, it's, uh, okay, this is the name of the function, switch back to Kindle, what was it? What was the input? So I need the, to do it, basically when I'm at, at the office. Uh, so to speak. So I haven't been making much progress on it. Mm. But it's interesting still. And I do want to actually make progress on it. But my main, I had a, every year, right, do my uh, goals for the year. And last year, I mentioned it on the show, it was my first year doing quarterly. Yeah. Because I was like, I can't predict what I want in 12 months. No. So I did, but that kind of didn't work out. Mm. Uh, it worked out for a little bit, and then it just didn't. So the problem that I ran into was I had no, like, guiding principle sort of thing for the year. So it was just like, finish one quarter. I'm like, well, that didn't go that well. Try again next quarter. Well, that didn't go that well. Try again next quarter. And so I had these specific goals. I reached, like, one of them. And then I would decide, I don't really care about that goal after all. And I got to the end of the year. I was like, did I do anything? Like, I don't, I don't think I did. So I did a combination this time where I've got a list of a whole bunch of things that I'm like, I, I do these uh, ahead of time yearly evaluations where I write it as if I've just finished the year. So it's like, t- I wrote at the top, this was a great year, I, and then I make a list of things that I'm like, yeah, this would be, this sounds like a great year. And then I can go into each quarter and be like, okay, what's reasonable for this quarter? And so that avoids things that I end up losing interest in or whatever. Because three months, you can kind of think about how much should I think about getting done in three months versus 12 months. But also, I can then look back up at this list and be like, am I doing anything from my list? Or am I just going to let the year pass by again and I don't do any of these things? Because I'm looking at my list now, I'm like, it's only slightly optimistic. Like, all of this could be done. Uh, and so that's my thing for this year as far as how I set up my goals. But the one for work was I was very focused for the last year, um, basically because I was like, I want to do a good job. This is, I'm learning a ton at my work. Uh, and I like this company. I like my coworkers. As frustrated as I got every few months, it was still like a great work environment. And uh, yeah, it was really just pushing hard to do a good job. And then essentially I went to, I started in November and I got to my November uh, yearly like check-in or whatever, where it's like, yeah, it's been a year since you started. And they're like, well, we're not doing performance reviews until the end of Q1. And also then Christmas came up. And I just kind of really lost motivation. 
because I was I was hoping, frankly, to go into my yearly performance review and be like, oh, you did a great year. Like, really didn't expect this this much output in in uh, this much effort. So thanks for being on the team. And it's like they said a lot of nice things, but it's also like, yeah, but your real performance reviews in a few months. And so it's like, well, it's hard to it's hard to not feel a little bit disappointed. Uh, and then the holidays. So there's not as much uh, work and focus going in on the holidays. So I was like, I need to give myself a reasonable goal for the first quarter. So my first quarter is just focusing on learning and trying to enjoy myself. And I've done, I did this last year as well for one of the quarters, which is like, just don't let work take over too much time. And that one's easy. Cause it's just like, is it five o'clock, 5.30? Okay, close your laptop or like close your work stuff. So don't have Slack open, you know, don't be checking the status of your servers at 10 p.m. just cause you're waiting for, you know, you don't want to go to bed yet or whatever. So, yeah, main focus is trying to learn stuff, and so that's where the the interpreter compiler comes in, trying to learn some of that. But I don't know what else to focus on, really. So that's why I started looking. So good. Started looking. Well, no, it's not bad. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I could, for example, I thought like, well, I could do like the next level of um, the solutions architect certifi certification for AWS because like I have the. Um, associate one. I was like, well, I could get the professional one, but I was like, but then do I care? Am I going to bother to go through it? And I was like, well, frankly, probably not. And I was like, well, what am I enjoying right now? I'm enjoying uh, learning about how compilers work and implementing one. And I'm enjoying learning a bunch about Python that I haven't learned that much. So the only specific things I have is I do, I do think I want to jump on the uh, learning Rust bandwagon. It's very in vogue right now to learn Rust. But I think it might be a different enough language to give me some new uh, perspective on things. Um, so I've worked a bunch in the dynamic, dynamically typed, sort of sloppy but easy to use programming languages, uh, Ruby, Java, uh, JavaScript, and Python. And uh, obviously went my early career deep dive into functional programming. Oof. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. I still like it. <laughs> uh, and so now I'm like, what's, the, what's something that's very different? And my understanding of Rust it, with essentially everything comes down to people talking about the borrow checker. But it's like, this seems like an interesting enough, different enough uh, language that I might learn something, get some more perspective. So, And people have started reaching out occasionally on LinkedIn and mentioning Rust. I'm like, it's probably just in vogue, but uh, eh, look into it. Nice. Yeah. What about you? What are you going to focus on for this year? So I've gone slightly. So when you were describing how you're thinking about your year, some of it resonated other. So I'm basically doing what you're doing. Crazy. I know. Just, that never happens. It never happens. I'm not <laughs> the same person at all. Uh, but I'm going more like less data points focused. Okay. So what I've done is I've outlined certain things or like long-term leadership principles oh. of what I would like to get out of this year. Okay. And then I'll do quarterly check-ins of what are the metrics, how much I've achieved. And instead of setting like, this is my quarterly goal, let's get to it. Yeah. I'm just going to every quarter be like, what have I, am I still meeting my leadership principles? And this, I'm setting this because, um, right, for more context, for anyone care still listening to it. Yeah, um, <laughs> after, after my 45-minute rant. Yeah, it's, no, <laughs> it's, it's another two years, so I'm switching drills again. Uh -huh. uh, oh, you're, that's a, you can announce that. Yes, yes, 
Sure, why not? Great. Uh, yeah, so switching switching roles again. Yeah, a, not just teams. He's not, not just team. he's not just on a new team at AWS. No, no. Buy buy Amazon, buy Bezos. Uh, yeah, maybe maybe in the future. Apparently, I learned that I got an excellent uh, annual feedback and such. Uh, so it's kind of disheartening because <laughs> if I learned that many months ago, I might not have started looking for jobs. I see. Um, but yeah, as I'm leaving, man, it's like, oh, why are you leaving? You have such a great feedback, <laughs> and we're thinking of giving you this raise and the final promotion we've been dangling in front of you for the last two years. And I was like, at this point, I give up. I I can't work in this culture anymore. <laughs> um, but uh, doing similar things, uh, going over to a machine learning company. But I don't do any of the machine learning stuff, which I'm excited about. Uh, I, w- I would like just enough context, but I'm still going for the ops and that work because I don't. I think machine learning is still very hot and such. But as a complete beginner who knows nothing about it, this is this feels like a weird time to sort of give everything to it. Uh-huh. Uh, so I'm gonna do what I do best: I have building infrastructure. If everyone's getting into it this year, which it feels like everyone who was in crypto last year is probably going to switch over to machine learning this year, <laughs> the ChatGPT revolution, uh-huh. uh, they're going to need a way to set up infrastructure efficiently for it. So right. I think that's where like a good demand could come in for the work that I'm learning, uh, and just learn how differently clusters of data processing scales than like web servers or databases, because that's what I'm used to. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so I'm gonna go into that world, um, and so what I would like to do is my overall like leadership principle this year off is I'm going to throw myself back into work. So the last two years I've very much lived a very really last three years or so ever since I switched to EA, I've been living a very relaxed lifestyle when it came to came to work because. Before EA, I was just doing... You were doing so, too, way too much work. Yeah, a crazy amount. And the big con of that was, yeah, I didn't enjoy anything in life. I was lacking regular life skill sets. And just was... I had nothing about my personality that wasn't just work. Yeah. Uh, but the pro of that was I was really good at my job. <laughs> uh, because I spent so much time just learning and being in the field and the industry. And I add my peers of similar experience in that field. I was doing better because I just to spend more time when they were making memories. I was learning how to make memory efficient. Right. Uh, so this year I'm like, you know, I've structured my life a little bit better now. I do have hobbies and such. Finally got one of those like female companion things people go crazy for. Wow. And I'm um, like... Way to flex on everybody. I know. <laughs> crazy, <laughs> isn't it? Uh, <laughs> but when you see sense of stability in other things of your life, I'm like, what are the things I would like to, you know, go a little bit crazy about and maybe like obsess, do my customer obsession on? And it seems like the customer this year should be the growth part because there is so much like I'm, I'm set going into this company there they've brought me on as like a senior person and the expectation is I basically build all the infrastructure make it efficient for multi-cloud if they ever go that way so you have to architect that way haven't given them my hot take <laughs> uh, and uh, the goal is to like grow the team in the next two three years so long they actually keep getting funding and they keep growing uh-huh uh, which means I would need to get my crap together a lot better. I need to be a lot better than what I think I am right now to actually fulfill the version of that person. 
So the version of that person knows a lot about ops, knows a lot about ML, knows a lot about how the team structure should work. So the yearly goals that will be evaluated every quarter is throw yourself into work while you get all the work stuff, uh, keeping weekends as the boundary as always. And uh, there's no on call right now because they don't have infrastructure very much set up. I see. Yeah. So and then I'll probably <laughs> be setting up that and being the on call or whatever. Um, but it's things like it's going back into education mode instead of execution or like going into work and just being like, all right, work will teach me. I'll get a little bit of training. I'll like improve. I'm going full in on like, okay, let's just improve. What would you do to what kind of person would I respect as a senior engineer? And let's try to become that. Uh, so that's the overall our overarching. So the way I'm thinking of approaching that is maybe a lot more disgusting amount of YouTube tabs. Um, maybe I already have like two books on like more Linux foundation stuff. I don't know how useful that will be in the machine learning space, but I think some of that will give me at least getting in the habit of reading books like that again, uh, because I've been reading a lot more like self-help and growth mm. and such stuff. Going back into the engineer mindset requires me to do that mindset switch, and maybe I'll buy more books on like doing efficient infrastructure because I I can't read books on my screen. I can do Kindle, but you can't read computer books on a Kindle, uh, not effectively in my opinion. Uh, so we're gonna get those, go into that kind of switch where the whole year is dedicated to me just being like, trying to accelerate my career into a senior, because I feel like a lot of that got taken away from me at my time in AWS, and not getting that practical growth I thought I would get being around the engineers within the org. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, so taking ownership, of that and just getting that done this year. And then I noticed I'm like about close to a year streak on Spanish on Duolingo. So I'm like, I've developed a good amount of vocabulary in there. So I need to sort of start switching my approach on how I approach the language. Uh, where my lovely female companion uh, is now, that has some sort of Spanish audiobook or something. Okay. So gonna start looking into that, start looking and experimenting with like alternative learnings uh, and book a trip to Mexico this year to like go try it out in the wild and see how how much I get made fun of or get like the side eye of being like, what are you trying to say, <laughs> stupid foreigner? Um, but yeah, the, the, that's the tier two goal. So, and then tier three will just be like fitness. I feel like I'm at like an average fitness level now where I'm just going to focus, no more crazy goals. It's just gonna be maintenance and cardio and that's it. So just so I can still do my like average 18, 20K hikes and I can do my gym, be mentally, physically fit. Uh, and then this year we'll just be like, let's get smart. Let's be educational. And the next year maybe we can get ripped again or whatever. Mm. Um, but yeah, and then, yeah, that's the tier on that I've thought of selecting the year of it. But who knows, maybe I've, I reach Q2 and I'm like, I'm eating like 3,000 over my maintenance every day and I need to get fit again. Maybe I switch the goals. But the overarching thing that I would really like is by the end of the year, I would like to at least not feel like I have not grown in my career as I felt in the last year or two. But I didn't feel bad about it because I was like, yeah, but I've traveled a whole bunch, seen new things, done new things. And then this year, does I do have some travel on the horizon, but it's like, plans and like family things so i know for a fact that a lot of that will be like for others because you have to do stuff for families and such 
So for myself, uh, I'm going to try to focus on being smarter because there was a time I used to consider myself really smart, way more than my ego would allow. Uh, and now with the ego a little checked in, I'm like, you're fine. You know, I'm like not that good anymore that I used <laughs> to feel like I was at my job. Um, so yeah, I'm going to try to get to a point where I'm like, you know what, it's fine. I, I'm smart again. I see. Yeah. I, I, I honestly sat down and was like, what should I learn? And I couldn't think of what I should learn. So that's why I was like, eh, let's just take it easy. <laughs> uh, I got lucky with my career growth because I joined a company. I was like, yeah, I want to learn some more DevOps. And they're like, all right, cool, you're in charge of DevOps. And uh, just had to learn. Uh, so, you know, trial by fire, I guess. Uh, but this was a big thing that uh, the um, VP of engineering was proud of me for. I was away for that week and nothing fell apart while I was gone. Wow. I mean, it really helped that people weren't pushing out terrible database migrations or anything, which tends to be the main reason things go down. Uh, freaking ORMs, dude. It's like, I don't know. We've got this half-baked Alembic and SQL Alchemy migration. Our auto generation doesn't work. So I probably shouldn't be saying this. Uh, <laughs> I don't know, but let's just say hypothetically there's a company that's using Alembic and, uh, and SQL Alchemy, uh, which has a auto-generate migrations from database models. Like you've got your ORM models, you auto-generate migrations, and it says, what do I know is already there? Here's the diff. Here's the migration that makes those things align. And then if you want to make changes, you go in, you add models, you change your models, and those models will define columns and keys and everything. And then you auto-generate a new one. Uh, well, this was added after we already had a bunch of database uh, models and, or schemas and things. So it, does, it doesn't work at all. If you run auto-generate, it's like, first of all, it takes a good 10 minutes or something and then gives you like a 2,000 line migration and uh, it doesn't run because obviously there's a bunch of stuff that it doesn't know about or it tries to delete. It like checks and it's like, there's all these tables, you don't have models for them. We're like, yeah, but we can't delete them because they're still there and they've never been brought into the models. Anyway, it's, it's kind of a mess. So migrations usually take things down. So everybody was chill around Christmas. I, I let everybody know, like, by the way, I won't be there. And uh, it seemed like people were behaved, uh, which is good. I didn't want any alerts, but uh, that was nice. And you mentioned um, you kind of went more into like the, the other life goal type things. I was discussing a bit more just like the job stuff, but um, yeah, I'm going to also try to learn a bit more Spanish. Uh, you know, having a, a Spanish girlfriend makes a difference. So, but here's the fun thing. You mentioned different approaches to learning a language. It's so much better being in Mexico around a family speaking Spanish. You're just chilling and you're like, mm, I keep hearing this word. Hey, what's that word mean? And it's a way more practical way of learning. Cause I'm like, I'm never going to say she drinks milk or like true. there's an apple on the table. That's like that's the they're so niche what like the first word you learn is manzana in yeah. duolingo i'm like okay surely there's something more useful <laughs> i'm on like unit four which is not very far and i'm like i can't say anything yeah i can say like he drinks water she drinks water i drink water like <laughs> great good stuff um whereas yeah being in in mexico uh learning like 
common things that people say, little idioms, uh, way more useful. So trying to focus on, on verbal Spanish. I don't know how useful Duolingo will be. I'll use it a little bit for the first quarter, at I least. It's just a vocab language uh, app. Yeah. There's what? no other use that I find so far. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a bit Although scuffed. I'm at whatever unit that requires you to do more grammar, and it's now like testing me really hard on like the whatever plurals with like I am we or whatever. Uh huh. Um, and every once in a while I'll like look at a word and be like, oh, okay, this must be it. And then I'll miss an I or an E right. spelling thing. And it's like, wrong, lose a heart. I'm like, yeah. this, is, this has gotten like really fast, really hard, really quickly. I'm not ready for this. I see. Uh, yeah. But it's, it's like challenging enough. But there's like these ma like little challenges that come every few days. There's one called like match madness where you like match a bunch of words on the left, right? And there's like a timer limit. Okay. And... Doing that over and over, like, reaffirms that I'm, like, because it changes the words as you get harder in difficulty. And, like, I did build a decent amount of vocabulary. Like, I can remember on the top of my head, like, run roughly, like, whatever, 100, 200, like, words I learned. Maybe I don't use them as much or right. probably won't need them. But it's cool that, like, then it reaffirms your brain being like, yeah, you can, like, you know, you can do this. Right. Um, but, yeah, like you said, like, I... Yeah, I don't. I will not go to Mexico and just be like, she will have some milk. <laughs> I like apples. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I might have to say the phrase, I like trains a lot. I like trains. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. <laughs> yeah. I, I was very, very happy to see uh, all the time you spent walking around trains great. in UK. <laughs> um, anyway, to wrap it up, uh, I did listen to the last little bit of the last episode just to listen to what I was uh, saying I was going to do better on. And one of the things that I said I was going to do better on was uh, SQL um, data, uh, profiling and like memory management and stuff. That wound up not really being necessary. I think that shifted a little bit into like that part of my brain that I was trying to learn more about that. It's shifting into the interest in just learning more about Python itself. Uh, things like what would cause Python to perform at its worst. But the funny thing about, again, M-coding is that a lot of it just becomes like, if these are the things you care about, Python's probably not the right answer. Uh, but the reason this didn't end up being as relevant was because the progress on moving over to Snowflake is coming along pretty well. So uh, one of the solutions I mentioned in the previous episode was moving a lot of stuff out of Python and into SQL. And so that's already started to happen, even not in the full move to Snowflake. It's kind of like um, the technical lead for my team is doing the, the work, and so that's what he was presenting the other day uh, in that dev meeting that I mentioned earlier. And uh, he's basically just taken like, okay, take this chunk, move it out of Python, move it into SQL, and then uh, take out the part that does need to be in Python and simplify it or like improve it. And so that it's this more agnostic Python uh, layer and then a more Postgres-based uh, data fetching layer. And so then you're not pulling in everything, every row of the table and filtering it in Python, you're filtering it uh, based on or using SQL, like the way you should. Uh, so that's already seeing enough improvement that a lot of our stuff uh, just doesn't need that nitty-gritty Python optimization, which is such a relief because it would have been tough. <laughs> It's got the wrong tool for the job, essentially. Yes. Yeah. Anything performance, really. Yeah. 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 But 
I think that's it. That was your did to do betters? Um, I don't know. That was, I guess my, uh, I kind of, I kind of mentioned some of them uh, in the uh, section about my, my annual goals, but I'll skim through these quickly. Uh, things I did better, I didn't get fat in Mexico. Wow. So yeah, one of my goals was to at least not get super fat. And I dieted down going into Mexico because I was told like, you're gonna roll home. Uh, and I uh, didn't get too fat. I think a lot of it, just my appetite was thrown off by, you know, the Latin schedule. Mm. Like, oh, it's 9 p.m., time to start cooking dinner. It's like, oh my God. <laughs> what about lack of gym? Uh, that was rough, but dude, the pumps since I got back have been wild. <laughs> <laughs> I felt so jacked at the gym yesterday. Um, start learning more about Python, as I mentioned. Uh, continue working a little tiny bit on the interpreter, which I also mentioned, and improve my Spanish, which I also mentioned. Um, things I did not do better, SQL Alchemy profiling and debugging, ORM, memory leaks, as I mentioned, wasn't as relevant. Okay, so do betters. I have a big purchase coming up, getting a car, and uh, one of the important do betters for the short term is don't freak out about upcoming expenses. I'm very used to and very my entire life as a late teen adult, like sort of managing your own money sort of thing has been, I just keep my expenses low. I don't like a lot of things, uh, like not owning stuff and I'm about to have car payments and things. Mm -hmm. And that's gonna drastically change how I feel about how much money I have on hand. I'm like, okay, yeah, but you also know, like you've looked at the numbers and you know it's fine. <laughs> So I'm gonna really try my best to not freak out. Because uh, when I've had unexpected um, things I've had to pay for before, uh, it's bothered me. Plus also, I think I over-contributed quite dra dramatically to my RSP last year. Huh. And if I have to pay withholding tax because I have to withdraw it, that's gonna be super painful. Um, so that might be a few grand. So anyway, we'll see what happens uh, with that, but hopefully, Hopefully I don't have to, but yeah, just basically try to be chill. Yeah. You know the numbers are there. You know you're fine. You know you can you can pay for it. Don't freak out. Yeah. Uh, but Maybe I do have the money. If it bothers it. No, that won't help actually. <laughs> Let, giving away more money won't help me. Um, yeah, I need to take action on planning and booking things so that this year doesn't pass by as well. One of my big disappointments with last year was just not doing as much. Um, and so, again, having the car hopefully will help with that. It will be like, you have a car, go drive somewhere and do something. Uh, and so, need to actually like plan a book things as far as campsites or whatever. Um, and make a list of like, here are some hikes you want to do this year, things like that. So I need to do those things and uh, I want to stay focused on learning. And then my to-do better, just like a thing that if I don't do it is disappointing, but it's also not like that hard. So I just need to pick a time to go visit my friends on the island. I was planning to do it before I left for Mexico. And then there was like a giant snowstorm. <laughs> I saw the forecast and I was like, I feel like I shouldn't go to the island if it's gonna have like a foot of snow because they don't handle it very well. And then, yeah, like all flights were canceled for a few days and I went, I made the right choice. So definitely the right decision not to go uh, before Mexico, but uh, now that just means it's been longer since I've seen them. Yeah, I gotta go. So that's that's my do betters. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, according to my paper notes, the last one I said I would do better on is home workout research and plans. Yes. 
Um, I didn't do the research, but I did make a plan, and it worked out for the most part. Okay. Um, every time I stayed at my girlfriend's parents' place, uh -huh. I was able to squeeze in a workout every day, if not every alternate day. I would miss like one day at most or two days, and then I'd be back on the train. But because we basically went out for a walk every day, they have two dogs. Uh, and I would just do some push-ups here and there and like stretches. I'd like, okay, I feel fine. Uh -huh. And the European to North American food differences are quite a bit. Okay. I went to this place, which is like super large extra burrito. And it was like a medium here. <laughs> and I'm like, that's why these guys are fat. Right. <laughs> they, their food is small. And you're in Canada. You're not even like yeah, America, in the South. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm not like deep fried Mars bar area right Bro. now. Bro. Yeah, it's wild. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been there. It's it's a crazy place. Yeah. You... I, I think I was at some restaurant in like South, South, Southern Georgia. Uh -huh. And the only vegetarian thing they had was deep fried okra. So I'm like, <laughs> leave the vegetable alone. <laughs> <laughs> like, no no sir this is what you eat um but yeah but yeah, i got some decent like workouts in but most of the time i just walked walked a lot uh and felt good about it and felt good about buying boots because countryside boots are great because uh, there's sheep poo everywhere okay yeah good to i didn't know i didn't know the amount of sheeps i'd see while i was there but there's <laughs> too many uh and kept my like screen time relatively low but that was also probably because i was around people and my goal was to impress them and so I stayed away from my phone and talked to them. Crazy what happens when you speak to people. Yeah. Um, and then for my do-betters is accept the goals I've outlined um, is just breathe more mind mindfully. Okay. Every once in a while just I would like I, I used to try to do this as like a do stretching every 30 minutes or whatever. I fail at that over and over horribly. <laughs> Because uh, it'll be like four hours, and I'm like, have I been like, like, sprint, like, just kept sitting there with like my traps super tight? And it's like, then it's like, I pop my neck, I'm like, yep, yeah, I was, because it hurts. Um, but breathing is easy uh, for the most part. Don't tell the dead, they would be mad. But anyone living and doesn't have asthma, mm -hmm. breathing is relatively easy. Mm -hmm. And every once in a while, I just would. It's easier for me to just catch myself and be like, all right, four, three deep breaths. And yeah, it's been, it's been going good, whatever amount of days have passed this year already. Um, so I'm gonna continue, continue doing better on that. And maybe that'll like transform into a more actual habitual meditation uh, habit, which I used to love, but haven't done in a while. Yeah, not to call you out, but on the last episode, you said that you and your girlfriend had a twice daily meditation practice. We're doing once. Okay. Yes. That's pretty good. Once yes. daily? Yeah. Yeah, that's UK, good. UK, we missed maybe a day or two because we would leave early and be out. Uh-huh. Uh, but then we would just breathe in the car. Okay. Proper meditation, I guess. But since we've been back, yeah, every day, every day, uh, except day. Not We're not doing twice, though. The goal was to morning and going before bed. Uh-huh. But that might happen more regularly once we move in together. Right. It was easier in the trip because we were together and yeah. we did and we did at least once. But yeah, once the move-in thing happens, which sometime this year is on the horizon, uh, yeah, might might do that again. Thanks for calling me out. Uh, <laughs> but yes, the ones one yeah, she does keep me more accountable because she'll be like, "Do you want to like maybe do a little meditation before this?" And I'd be like somewhere typing and be like, 
Yes, we should. <laughs> uh, as opposed to, it's very easy for me to just be like, take the deep breaths and be like, all right, whatever. And just keep doing things. She's like, no, 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 you're not. Make the time for it mindfully. I was like, yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm going to continue on that, but I think I'll have better do's and did better once I outline uh, the how I'm going to approach or what goals I'm setting for the off stuff. Yeah, I'm hoping to... Um gratefully absorb a bunch of your uh, interest and um, learnings and inspiration because like I told you I was looking I was like in my head thinking what what should I learn and I couldn't think of stuff so yeah hopefully it'll make me you know better at my job because I would yeah like you and when I when I finish my one year would like a good ego boost from them being like yeah we made a good choice hiring you right because they did seven rounds of interviews before hiring me. The first three or four were technical and like behavioral, whatever. Uh -huh. The last three was, I talked to the CEO and he was like, oh, you're a fun guy to talk to. You should talk to this other guy in the company. <laughs> talk to the other guy. And he's like, hey, you should talk to the other founder. And a lot of it was just, yeah, they really just wanted to strongly suss out, uh, I guess, the candidate. I see. Um, but yeah, so hopefully they. I don't want them all to be like, man, we made a bad call. Right. Um, yeah, I want the year after to be like, hey, do you want more stake in the options we've given you for the company? Uh huh. Feel good about that. Right on. Cool. Well, that's that. First episode back. Yeah. Very long. Very hopefully useful. If not, you know, we got tons. We got fifty-seven other episodes. They're useful. Go listen to those. Sure. All right. Bye. Bye.